Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, speaker, and co-founder of EMC2 Learning, the greatest community of educators around. Well Played is part of the On Podcast Media Network. Definitely want you to check out those podcasts. Uh, and today, today is season five, episode 12, and we are chatting about side quests. This is a core component to how my game functions and how my game works. And I knew it was the summer months here and I thought it would be just a great episode to sort of break down my thinking on side quests and why you are going to want them in your epic educational adventure because they're so awesome. And I hope to pass on to the new as well as the veteran gamifiers some of my tips and tricks that you can use along the way this is another one of those solo episodes the feedback so far on those have been you kind of like them it's a little bit of a chat with mr matera me and i absolutely love chatting with you guys so we're gonna do another episode this way uh but as always can't wait to return having some of the guests on i love a good guest show so without further ado let's dive in to today's episode and we're going to get started on kind of the the why why do side quests and if you're new to gamification you're kind of like what are these side quests the the new to gamifiers i'm going to tell you that side quests are just that they're on the side they're things that you do not need to do to complete the adventure of the classroom right so think homework homework is you have to in a video game world they would be referred to as quests, right? They have to do those. You, you, you have to save the princess, right? You have to capture the villain, right? Those things have to happen. So those are quests. Side quests in a video game or in a, in a board game are are things that you, you're, you're choosing to do. The main goal is happening. We're saving the princess. We're capturing the villain. That's happening. But along the way, you might bump into somebody that says, hey, I lost my cart. You know, could you help me find it? And if you kind of do the, the assumption there is, you know, you're going to unlock something. You're going to gain something. Maybe it's a secret quest. Maybe it's something beneficial on the side. Maybe, you know, but it you, you still could get to the princess. You could still capture the villain without helping this guy, right? So side quests in my game world are, are just that. These are not the homework that they have to do. These are not required tasks. So for my side quests, I kind of try to build in a little bit of an excitement and enthusiasm. So they get released uh, every new unit. And at the beginning of the game, they don't really understand them. They don't really know them. But if you do this style where they get, quote, unquote, I'm doing air quotes here, people, uh, released at the beginning of a unit, it kind of builds some excitement because they know for me, my quests are going to be different next unit. And some kids did the two or three they liked from this unit and I kind of can't wait for the new, you know, shipment of new quests. So that's something to think about. And I, I, I'm going to assume that some of your questions you might have here, I've jot, jotted down that I've gotten from the past is how many quests do I put out? Uh, they're sort of tiered. First quest, first thing is on my main website, there is probably about four that are just visible. They can see them. They can go to my history website and click the current unit and it says side quest, boom, 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 boom. There's three or four there. Then there are probably four to six maybe hidden ones that kids can find in various spots around my sort of Realm of Nobles site 
And that produces something for my explorers, right? They're kind of excited to go click around and find those quests. But some of my more busy students, they know exactly where to go and can kind of do those quests. So that's one thing. Another thing I want to say is if you're making your quests and you want to keep, you want to keep them light, fresh, airy. Airy is kind of the word I want to use. And so you don't want it to feel so schooly. So you're not going to, you're not going to provide them with a ton of exemplars. You're not going to give them a rubric that says they have to do these 27 things. You're literally going to point them in a direction. The example I always use when I go present is literally, I might say, make a map. Now, standard rule for me is it has to be about the current unit. So if my quest was make a map, I don't have to waste sentences saying, you know, about Rome or about this. It just can be make a map. They understand that it has to connect to the, our current unit. And, and you can see in that example of make a map. Now, if this happened, let's, let's take this example and give you kind of a verbal example of what it might look like beginning, middle, and end of year. Kids in my class never had been in a gamified class before. So at first, if this was beginning of the year and I say make a map and it's that first unit, uh, I'll be honest, the, the quality of map won't be there yet. They have not bought into the language that I use, the purpose-driven learning language, the, the driving them to be their greatest. Now, I've already started to use that language, but they don't, they don't, it doesn't click yet. It doesn't resonate yet. So this make a map, this first one, I'll get some questions, you know, like map of what? And I'll be like, hey, like this is where I teach them. It's got to be about the current unit. And they're like, well, still map of what? Our first unit is Mesopotamia. And they might be like, so, you know, do you want it to be all of Mesopotamia? And I said, sure, you could do that. Um, somebody might bring up a map and say like, does it like this? And they're pointing to like a Google map. And I'll, I might comment that that's all current day cities. And they're like, oh, so you want us to do the ancient? I said, well, you that that could be beneficial, right? And maybe that's it. And they do a map and they get a computer sheet of paper. They maybe trace their screen and put some things down and turn it in. And the the, the feedback that I would give on that is I, I, I would lean, if we're talking purpose-driven learning, which I talk about in Explore Like a Pirate, uh, if we're, if we're leaning into that language, I would really thank them for their initiative that they chose to do this. And I would give them an item or a power up. And I'd really like, this is another area that I would talk to them about the game. And I would tell them like, Ooh, I'm so excited that you got this. You know, they're the first person to get this. And I'd explain that and kids would kind of huddle around that kid and, and, and hear what, what item they just got. Cause they might be the first one in the game to get the item. And I would then kind of venture to tell them that like on your next one, we want to think about ways to sort of go above and beyond ways to fuse content and creativity. And they might say like, well, what does that mean? And I say, Oh, on the map, you know, like, could you have thought of a way to sort of up the game on this? And then some of them start to say like, well, I mean, I could, you know, I, on one of my old projects, we dipped it in sort of this water with tea or coffee to kind of make it old looking. And I was like, oh, that would be amazing, right? And you start to kind of gently coach them up to wider and wider possibilities. And this feedback that we're giving them, what I love about it is it's it's quick and it's real. I don't, I'm not writing off to the side and circling a bunch of things and, and a bunch of feedback they might not get. This is like, seems very personable. What we, what we wanna do is we wanna get them to, to just stop looking for A's and we want to start looking for a moment with them. 
And this produces this moment of feedback, genuine feedback. It was an exploratory task that wasn't required. They're open to more feedback because they know they're going to go on another one. So this becomes like a natural moment where their guard is down and their interest is up and they really want to hear what's going to make that quest a bit better. And the other thing is while you're giving this moment with them, you're also kind of having a moment with some of their friends. They're listening. I'm telling you, their ears are perked up. Or some of the more competitive kids in class, their their ears are perked up. And maybe right out of the gate, that next quest by somebody else might already have these kind of elements, these kind of moments. Now that same quest, that map quest, mid-year, we might have some of that upped creativity with the content we want. It might still be a map of middle of my year. We're talking China at this point. It might be a map of all of China during the Warring States period. That's something we study and it kind of shows the various provinces that are wrestling for uh, ownership, right? And maybe they did this thing where they kind of upped it a little bit with creativity. Maybe they did tea stain it and then they rolled it up like a scroll. Maybe they burned some of the edges, whatever. You, You get the idea. Now we have that content we had at that first one, but we've upped that creative game. They rolled it up. They uh, maybe they you know tied it with a ribbon or or something like that. Some of them actually produce they they make like another second sheet of paper also tea stained and kind of explain it. Some of it explain it in like a encyclopedia kind of entry mode, and some lean into the character. Some pretend that this is like a communication between generals, and so it it, it talks more in like this first person tense and that the, that this is a, like a, a problem about these warring states periods right but this is all like student generated i'm making this up on the spot here like this is things they can do because i didn't all i mean the quest still says make a map all right now let's look at that same quest fast forward to the end of the year we might have all of those components of like additional pieces of text and information woven into that text the map itself, and now the map starts to widen in terms of the possibilities. We, 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 we start to think in a way of thinking bigger, better. And, and this is natural. Again, kids not asking me. They're just pushing themselves. They're just looking at this Rubik's Cube of a project and think, how can I click it a little better, get a little more of it in place? And we start to have maybe that written component. We have the tea stained component. We have the map in general of, let's say, Rome or Greece, right? This is towards the end of my year. Uh, But what what they do then is maybe they have two maps. Maybe they have a map of all of Greece, but then they have a zoomed-in map, a map of a city or a map of a battle, the Battle of Marathon. So we get the context of where Marathon was in the entire Greek empire, but then also the zoomed in battlefield map. And this like blows their mind that we went from kind of a black and white kind of basic drawing in the beginning of the year where we talked in terms of initiative. And now we hit to the back end of the year and we have words like initiative, dependability, uh, focus, Uh, because they had to focus on those details, the effort in which they were able to apply. So now we're actually tying in more and more purpose-driven learning words into one particular activity in which a kid didn't have to do. And again, we're no longer looking for A's in terms of like grades. We're looking for a moment and it just shifts it. I absolutely love it. All right. That was really long outlay on what quests are and, and how that might look throughout the year.
But next, I want you to think about how we sort of put those quests out there. And uh, I use Google Slides. Absolutely loves Google Slides because you can make it thematic. You can put that picture in the background. You can use different fonts. You can kind of move things around. So I would strongly recommend making a one slide or two slide uh, slide deck for each quest. Don't put all of them in one place. That seems very schooly if it's like click here to look through our five. I like the idea, and I know it's a little slower for them, but it's it's you want that feel that like they clicked this to get this one particular side quest, look at it, and then go away and click the other thing on a separate sheet, separate page, an LMS, whatever, and brings up the next quest. Next tip for you using Google Slides, if you have it and you can put that, you know, it can be viewed by anybody. And then if you grab that shareable link and off the back of the end, it goes all the way, you know, slash and then a bunch of stuff, slash edit, and a bunch of stuff. If you delete all the way back to that slash that says edit, delete the word edit, and type the word present, copy that link, and put it into your LMS. What happens then is when somebody clicks it, it goes straight into present mode, keeping that theme. You know, you chose that background, you chose that font to be, you know, spacey, or middle ages, or, you know, you know, Scooby-Doo, whatever theme you're going with, you want to stay in that character. This is the reason we're using Google Slides instead of a Google Doc, right? We want to have that bit of like theme there. So there's a tip for you on how I deliver these things, these side quests. And the the type of quests, I want to talk to you about that. We, we talked about keeping it light and airy, but I, I want you to hear because these are side quests, because we're leaving that sort of scope and sequence, you know, I must do this and blah, 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 into a more exploratory nature. These are open-ended. We talked about that. But the type of quests, they can be artistic uh, because you're using no real class time for them. You're giving students an opportunity to sort of explore both your content as well as possibly a new talent or or not a new talent, but it gives them an opportunity to sort of try, you know, take a risk, a creative risk without a like grade risk, right? Because worst case scenario, they're just going to get like some feedback on how their quest came about uh, and maybe not earn as many points or as many items or whatever, but it doesn't come with that grade consequence. So it's a risk rich with like low stakes though. So try an artistic one. I have one that they have to like paint a scene from what we've studied. <laughs> That's okay with me. And just like the map quest, the painting, the all of a sudden what they add to it, that content and creativity. You're going to hear me say that a thousand times if you follow me on this channel. If you're an EMC2 and you start to look at the courses, I'm going to say content and creativity fused together a million times because that's where it's at. That is where it's at, and that is why this is an educational epic adventure that you're sending your students on by doing and embedding side quests into your activities, into your flow, because this is where it's at. I love doing side quests. Can I honestly think we could kind of replace school with side quests if if we were to be so bold, right? Go gradeless give feedback. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's where the learning's at. You can see it naturally happen. I got to tell you, this idea of grades are a must to communicate knowledge. Grades are a must to drive growth. 
I'm telling you, if anybody, anybody out there, any of our veteran gamifiers will tell you, side quests show you that that is just not true. They will learn, they will grow, they will push themselves, and they will do a ton if they're captivated, if they want to do it, if they're excited by it, if you give them a reason, if you give them that coaching, if you give them that language, that runway, and that support. Uh, so do artistic ones, do written ones, do uh, techie ones, do Minecraft ones, do, do, I mean, there are so many you can do. Uh, so don't worry about the type and don't worry about the direction. Just point them in a direction. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Now, the other thing I got to say is collection, right? If I'm going to take a turn here in our last little bit of this particular solo podcast is how do you collect them? Now, over the years, uh, pre-COVID, I had kind of a table in the back of my room that kids could kind of lay them on. And then there were these written forms that kids would fill out. And it kind of told me like their name, their house, the quest they were completing, uh, if they had any additional items they wanted to play on it. That would be good for when I give them payment. I would say, hey, you said you used, for example, I have one called the Crusader, and it can add up to 300 points on the quest. I put that in, into their quest. I've already paid it into them. Uh, but when I'm giving them kind of the items and the power-ups and the badges and that kind of thing, I'll say, hey, you said you used a crusader. If they don't give me the crusader in that moment, I go back and reduce it by 300 points. Uh, I find it pretty quick because most kids have it. Most kids are honest when they put that in. Occasionally a kid makes a mistake and it's like, oh, I traded that away. I don't have it. Um, so, I mean, out of 20 times, only like one time did somebody use it and not have it and I have to go in and change it. But 19 other times they got it and I've already put in the points for it, but now I've collected the item from it. Super nice flow. That is great uh, for physical quests and whatnot. But in this year of COVID, I developed a Google Sheet. It is going to be on EMC2. Uh, great Google Sheet for collecting side quest digitally, even the physical ones. And I kind of liked it. And I think I'm going to keep it post COVID. So let's say a kid does something that's not digital. And you're like, well, why are they handing in on a Google form? Uh, my kids got really used to taking photographs, you know, with their parents' phone or their own phone or an iPad or whatever, and then putting it into a Google slideshow. And in that Google slideshow, uh, same thing up. It was just a new area to be more creative because now we got the map. Let's use that map as an example. Either the middle of the year map example or the end of the year map example. They have these things and they would take photographs of it rolled up, the coffee stains, right? Maybe some of them would take photographs of the actual making process. I had a couple kids do that where the quest would look good. They would have like a title slide. They'd have some photographs of the rolled up thing. They'd have slides of it like rolled out and then like, but then some of them at the end, kind of like your bloopers reel would say like, you know, making of, and then there'd be two, three slides where I get to see photographs of them making it. And, and they could do things like that. And what I did, it's really not that hard to set up. We're going to have this on the Google, like spreadsheets in the EMC two community, uh, where kids could fill in that they turn in this quest. I made them make a folder and set the folder to anybody can view. 
All right, and then anytime they're handing a quest, they just make sure they put it in their folder, in that folder, and give me a link to, not the folder, but a link to their quest. And I will be able to open it up because anything in that folder has the ability to be viewed by anybody. And worked really slick. And then on my sheet, it comes in, it separates them by class, and then I can kind of mark how many points I give them. It does not go to my leaderboard, but it just as a reminder so that when I'm paying them, so I would have two tabs open, the side quest tab, and my leaderboard tab, I'd put in like, oh, 200 points for Greg, and then I'd go, and I'm already looking at like the House of Illyria, so I have all the Illyrians there, and I put in 200 points for Greg. Super simple, super quick. But then there's a column that, there's another column that says, have I paid him yet? And what that means, it doesn't mean the 200 XP, I already put that in. It means, have I like given him like, met with him one-on-one physically in my class so on some other time when i'm paying out quests i take a moment and i say hey like and i go and load if i have Illyria, the house of Illyria in front of me i load up my spreadsheet and i like see like i click the Illyria tab oh and i have like 10 quests that i have to pay back now i've already put in the xp but in terms of badges and items i now can check off that like, oh, I paid Greg. And I say, hey, Greg, come on up here. And I have notes right there if I want to remember like something specific about Greg's, like because again, I might grade, you know, 100 quests or something. I might put in a quick note or or not or whatever. His link is right there. So if I want to click it and look at it just before talking to him, I can be like, oh yeah, hey, Greg, like thanks for doing the map. Love that you did the bloopers reel at the bottom. Loved it. That's fantastic. Thanks so much. You know, here's a badge. To walk him through the badge, walk him through the item. It's a great moment. And then I can click, or I can just hit a little X and it puts a black box there. So I know I have paid him. And I go down the line and I pay my other eight or nine kids. And I know I've paid them all in terms of both XP as well as items and badges if they earned them. If they didn't earn an item or badge, I still call them up, talk to them a little bit about the quest and say, like, thanks so much for doing it. Here's what we need to do next time. You know, but you did earn. I usually give XP kind of no matter what. Then it's XP item is my next level XP item and badge if it was really good. And super clean. I loved it. It kept things organized and... Uh, really, really great. Also taught them some of those tech skills in terms of like handing things in, getting them more familiar with the computer, gave them more time and practice on Google Slides. So I loved it. I think I'm keeping it. Stay on the lookout for that product on EMC2 if you're a member of our community. We're going to put that up towards the end of summer. Uh, we're working on a few big things as like a resource drop to next school year. Uh, and that will be one of them. Ooh, I'm giving you an inside preview. For those of you that are not part of the emc2learning.com community, definitely, definitely check it out. It is such a great community. Uh, lots of people posting all sorts of things on our internal community, as well as uh, tons, hundreds of resources to get you you know, and your students doing creative tasks and activities throughout the year. All right, everyone. That just about ends my podcast here. I am so glad to have you on each and every week. I'm truly honored that you make time to listen to this podcast. I hope this one was another great one. As always, love feedback on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. You can find me at Mr. Matera. And I'd love to hear from you about your game, about podcasts, uh, and about side quests more specifically. As always, I hope you enjoy the day and play on.